Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, career fairs. Before we go on with that though, one quick note, we're going to be in London on January 26th and 27th for the Effective Manager Conference and Effective Communications Conference respectively. So if you're interested in learning about the best behaviors associated with management or learning how to be a more effective communicator, think about joining us in London. Details are on the website, www.managertools.com. All right, so here we go with part one of our series on career fairs. We've been doing career tools for a while, and we haven't talked about career fairs yet. And for, particularly for younger folks, right? Folks getting out of, out of college, for example, career fairs are a big piece of their job hunt. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. And I think because of the way companies are getting more power and they have less openings and they know there are thousands of people who will come. I think while maybe five years ago, we just said this, co- this cast is directed primarily at new graduates, MBA students, and so on. I'd be willing to bet career fairs are even more common in more places now, right, than they used to be. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of interesting because at some point during kind of the downturn some while ago, um, folks really, you know, companies stopped doing career fairs as much. And they cut way, way back. But they found out later on that they had really cut too far back, right? Too much, so, right, yeah. So during the most recent downturn – Certainly, they've cut back, but not nearly as as badly as they did in the past. And so, career fairs, although maybe not as many companies um, hiring as many positions as at some point in in history, it's still important, and they're still doing yes. it. And they've learned not to cut back entirely, right? So there's still opportunity there. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. What are we going to talk about today that will enable our listeners to maximize their opportunity at career fairs? We've got five recommendations, and we're going to be doing more casts on career fairs just because we can't get it all done in one cast. We wanted to give a good, broad overview of the of the points we're going to recommend. Uh, number one is do your research. Probably the single biggest mistake people make at career fairs uh, is not doing research, and it's an enormously important early winnowing point for, for companies. And by research, you mean uh, not researching where, in fact, the career fair is, so you can show up early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, a we have Google okay. Maps and a and, uh, few other things will probably get you there. So, okay. yeah, do, you, do your research. Number two, dress to impress. Many people mistakenly don't think they see it as an interview. Number three, we recommend you think of it as a surgical strike rather than just a blanket approach, trying to touch, talking to everybody. Number four, you need to make an impression when you meet a recruiter or a booth representative, if you will. And number five, believe it or not, you've got to do follow-up even after a career conference. Good. Okay. So let's talk about research. I made a joke about it. You know, and obviously, and some, I've seen people do it. Their research entails simply finding out where the career fair is, what time it starts, and then and showing up at a at a reasonable time. And we're talking about something different than that. Yeah. And, you know, when Wendy, our career tools associate, when when she got you know out of college, 
online barely existed, right? And you know, right. research was it was a hard slog in the career room and the in going through encyclopedias of companies and the microfiche. For those of you who know microfiche, is. yeah, microfiche, my gosh, <laughs> yeah. looking you know, looking through years of archives of press releases yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, when when we graduated, um, the stone tablets, yeah, were stone few tablets and far between, hard like right. and that kind of stuff. So it was pretty hard. But today, there's really no excuse. I mean, there are so much information out there and it's so easy to find on the internet that there's really no excuse for not doing research, but folks. Yeah, still it really it. is. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. I, I remember reading the hundred best companies to work for in America and thinking, wow, there are a lot of companies I'd never heard of here. And that was in part because frankly, the vast majority of young people that I know, and really even more seasoned professionals mistakenly think of companies that they're aware of through their daily life. And the problem with that is those are only consumer products companies, right? You don't hear about an industrial machine maker or uh, a mining company. You know, years ago, you didn't even hear about oil companies because there was oil companies and then there was oil marketing companies. But yeah, you really, you really have no excuse today and and I want to repeat, since I took us on a side note, it, let me just repeat what you said. Not having done your research rules you out immediately, okay? If you go to a career conference and you're just thinking, look, I'll take any job, right? If the market's been bad for you, you've been out of work for a while, you look at an opportunity where 30 or 40 companies or 50 companies are in one place at the same time, it's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to say, geez, there's got to be one there for me. And if that doesn't work out, geez, I'm really in trouble kind of thing. So it's sort of a feast or famine mentality. And if you're looking for anything, please, hopefully you'll understand companies don't want to hear that. If they have a choice between two people, one who will take anything and another person who specifically knows why they want their company, all things being equal, which they never are, they're going to prefer the person that wants their company, right? And so what that means is you need to have done your research in order to be convincing in an interview, but even more simply, you need to be done your research in order to be convincing to get an interview at, at a career fair where there are hundreds of people. If you're sitting there now thinking the job market is competitive or getting an interview is competitive, you're right. And if you take a career fair, we have 30 companies and maybe three or 4,000 people, suddenly you've got one person at a booth that may have to meet five, six, 700 people in a day, way more than he or she would normally meet. So the competition is actually ratcheted up at the same time that most candidates tend to ratchet down their preparation, particularly around research, because they're thinking, you know, this is kind of casual. It's not actually an interview. There are all kinds of signs from a career fair that's, you know, dress casual or whatever. And they step down a little bit. At the same time, the company says, wow, there are so many people here. We can be really picky, right? So, Look, the, the issue here is that we've got to change our mindset about career fairs. And by the way, as, as a nod to Wendy, you mentioned Wendy. In Britain, they're called careers fairs. So for those of you who are Brits or maybe even some Europeans who are used to the American, uh, the English uh, version, it's career fairs in America and careers fairs in the Brits, in, in Britain. Most of us go to career fairs with the idea of getting ourselves ready, meaning I've got to have a CV, I've got to have a resume, and, and I, you know, I've got to dress up a little bit. I think for most people that I've talked to about going to career fairs, they're thinking about themselves 
and they're thinking about all those companies and trying to decide where we might want to go to work and which ones are better, you know, which jobs might be the right fit, who might be better for me, and so on. But when we talk about interviewing, right, we talk about getting to know yourself for the interview, but we also talk about preparing for the environment that companies create in the interview, right? And so now we have to ask ourselves, what environment do companies create at a career conference? And here's the first thing. Companies are not thinking about the other companies the way we might be when we go in. Oh, we've got 30 companies. There's just too many. How am I going to decide or am I going to be able to meet all of them and so on? Companies aren't thinking about other companies. They're not even thinking about us, really. They're thinking about all of the applicants in, in a big group. They're just sort of mashing them all together. And the problem is their concern, their, their, in a way, their fear is, how can I hire the best applicant in the crowd, right? It's an embarrassment of riches a little bit. They're basically thinking, who is the best? And look, let's be honest, right? The companies have all the power, as they almost always do when it comes to hiring, right? So what does that mean? They have all the power at the career fair. We need to start thinking about us about us as a candidate, our, ourselves as an applicant, from their perspective, right? And, and so if, if, if they're thinking of 3,000 people or 2,000 or even 1,000 or even 300 people, if you're one of 300 or 500 that somebody meets at a booth, the question is, we need to look better than the other candidates without knowing how good the other candidates are, which basically means we have to prepare for a blind competition with everybody else. And that means we have to do, we probably have to have a higher standard because it won't just be our resume. It will be our resume. It will be our discussion with them. It'll be our interpersonal skills. It'll be our follow-up skills and so on. Yeah. Well, even harder than that in terms of just standing, well, I guess it's part of standing out, but one of the challenges at career fairs is, these folks see so many people. And if you go yeah. to a company and you're one of five people that are interviewing for a particular position, okay, at the end of the day, they're going to remember five people, right? They're going to remember, okay, right. who's Joe, who's Bob, who's Sue, who's, who's Sam, right? They'll, they'll remember that. At a career fair, and I know I've been to them, when you've seen 500 people, man, oh, man, it's hard remembering any name, any face out of that whole thing. So you really... You've really got to distinguish yourself if you want to have any chance of being successful at a career fair. Yeah, I, I think your point about just the, the emotion I had when I've done them is just kind of just blurry at the end of the day, right? If you don't do something to stand out as a candidate, right? If, you're, if, if Mike and I are in the booth, if you don't do something to stand out as a candidate, it's almost impossible to be successful. And we don't mean like wearing some wild outfit or some other. I mean, yeah. there are ways to stand out that simply yeah, guarantee okay. lack yeah. of success. <laughs> yeah. So, so look, that, that's what this cast is about. It's about distinguishing ourselves from the crowd for the companies. And it starts with research, which most people are surprised to hear. And nobody seems willing to do it. The fact is, almost nobody does it. So it's competitive advantage if you do it. And the great thing about it is, it's an early decision point for companies when they're getting to know us or looking at us. So if we've done it, and the vast majority of other applicants haven't, the research we do puts us into a much smaller group of candidates that make it through the first cut. Look, if you haven't done your research... And you're not pitching the company on why you're interested in them, as opposed to just saying, I'm great, which everyone else is saying. If you haven't done that, 
then you're just like everybody else. I'm great. I'm great. Please talk to me. So the question now is, okay, how do you do research? Okay. And there's two types of research we need to do. Research for ourselves and research for the company. Okay. All right. For, for yourself, for ourselves, we want to look for a match, right? And, and by the way, this part really fits well. Chronologically, you've got to do your research first. But but our next point, uh, I'm sorry, our third point about having a certain, you know, thinking of it as a surgical strike, we want to put this together with that in terms of, okay, which companies am I going to go after, right? What are the companies that are the best fit for me? And in order to do that, you have to do some research about the company's culture, and about the career paths that might be open to you, okay? So, for example, if you're a technical person, you love technical challenges, technological challenges, you may want to look for companies like IBM who have a technical promotion ladder, you know, the dual career path where you can be technical and not be a manager and do very, very well, right? Of course, there's always a management ladder in every company. You need to know that accountants who join the big four or whatever number it is when you're listening to this cast, um, the big four accounting firms, and spend their training period, their start of their career in audit, right, which is a great way to be trained as an accountant. Some people think of it as boring, but the really smart accountants say, no, I want to understand the stuff behind the numbers. You're going to be sent all over the country. And look, if that doesn't work for you, if it doesn't work for your spouse, if it doesn't work for your kids, if it doesn't work for your girlfriend or your boyfriend, that's fine. There's no sense in talking to those companies at that career or careers fair, okay? Don't go through the heartache of getting an offer. And, and one of two things, having it be the only offer because you mistakenly didn't realize this was coming up and then having to turn it down or taking it, moving, and then being miserable in a year. You know, look, if you're an IT guy or if you're an engineer and you tend to be reserved, you tend to be a little bit introverted, there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to be smart about a work hard, play hard culture, right? Particularly in mid or small companies. And look, if, if you're an extrovert, if you're an outgoing person, but, but the company is all about degrees and whether or not you have an MBA or whether you have a doctorate or whether you have a particular scientific degree, you need to be cautious about that too. None of the stuff we're talking about is unavailable for companies that go to career fairs. You know, people are always saying, well, how do I do the research? Well, look, I, um, we could probably do a cast or a series of casts, and we probably will at some point about how to research companies. But surely Google and the internet and being willing to spend 20 or 30 bucks for a, for a Hoover's report, I think if you don't know company X, but you know company X is in industry Y, doing, a re, doing research on the top 10 companies in industry Y will give you some sense of the theme of that industry, right? So this is the kind of thing you do for yourself, for ourselves, in terms of getting ready and deciding, okay, where might I best apply myself rather than trying to see all 30 companies, Okay. Now, taking a step further, right, we're assuming here a little bit that you know yourself, right? You've already done some thinking about your preferences, your work style, the type of culture you would thrive in. Our previous comments assumed that self-knowledge, okay? Organizations have what amounts to a cultural profile. It's almost like a cultural a business disc profile. Knowing your own disc profile and how to spot somebody else's disc profile is going to help you evaluate the company and also connect more easily with a company representative at the fair, okay? 
Right. And if you don't know what a disk profile is, um, we have plenty of information on the website that you can go to to, to find right. out what it is. So, it, it, so think of it as a behavioral profile. Um, to help you understand yourself and, and other people and communicate more effectively. Right. And look, you don't have to use disk. There are other ones that work just as well, helping you understand yourself and the kind of preferences you have for work and so on more fully. If you're still at university, the Career Center's there surely offer testing services, can advise you on those kind of things. And there are all kinds of tests out on the internet. Generally take those with a grain of sand, a grain of salt. And just because you know you're a Virgo or you're a Sagittarius probably won't help you very much. But again, that that's about understanding yourself and understanding the company so you can understand which companies might be best for you. Certainly you want to consider what jobs they have. That's important too. But if you find out of 50 companies that there are only five that you think fit you culturally and of those only two fit the job, then you don't need to go talk to 30 companies. It's a waste of time. First of all, you'll be tired. And if you do that all day and at four o'clock in the afternoon, you finally hit the two companies that you really want to focus on, you're going to be tired. It's less likely you're going to be effective. Okay. Now, the, the second part of the research is what you do for the company. Are you expected to know something about the company, even on the first meeting before you even? Yeah, I think, I think this is a big, uh, I, I think this is a big misunderstanding, Mike. It's a good question. The answer is, yeah, you are. Okay. Now, uh, here's what people say. When I've had this conversation with people, I said, look, we expect you to know something about us. And they're kind of like, wow, really? And I think there are two reasons why they don't say that. Now, look, we're not saying you're wrong to have drawn the conclusion you have from the data, from the two pieces of data I'll share with you that people share with me. We're just saying you're not going to be effective unless you do what the companies want you to do. And companies make an early decision about people, all things being equal, which again, they never are. They make an early decision based on what you know about the company and how you present yourself and whether or not you present knowledge about I know why I'm talking to you. There are two reasons why. This is my thinking. This is what I hear over and over again is the first one is, well, but they're in charge, right? They're a, they're a big company, right? I mean, they're trying to evaluate me. Surely they want more people talking to them. And so why do they need to know that I know a lot about them? Well, of course, the issue is not just hiring, but retention, right? They don't want to put a round peg in a square hole. The other reason is, is, is a much more prosaic one, but I think it still has some weight. I mean, I understand why people say it. And look, Mark, I walk up to them. They don't know anything about me, and they, I hand them my resume. I have to hand them my resume in order to convince them that I might be right for their opportunities, right? So they don't know anything about me. Why would they expect me to know anything about them? Well, okay. I suppose if this is an equal playing field, sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not equal. I though. mean, yeah, but but I mean, if we haven't, I mean, if you haven't listened to our other career tools casts about interviewing and about the company's in charge, and you're not, and you're a bug on a windshield most of the time. Look, we don't say we don't say we, we take no joy in saying that, folks. We tell you this because we learned it the hard way. We've seen people, you know not be successful because they want to do it their own way. You know, interviewing is an artificial reality. It's designed by companies to keep people out and companies hold all the cards uh, at virtually every step in the process. So it's not an equal playing field. And the company says, we want you to come to us, but think of it this way. Let me just flip that, that, that thought process on its head, which is imagine that you went up to a booth, whether you're prepared or not is irrelevant at this point, late in the day, and you say, hi, I'm Mark Horseman. And, and the, the the representative from the company says, oh, 
Hi, it's very nice to meet you, Mark. A couple of their candidates have mentioned that they're here with you and that you're the guy actually I should hire. I mean, wow, I'm kind of excited. I really, I really hope you have a resume for me. I mean, I have to say that if that happened to some candidate at some job career fair, they would be stunned. And I would be willing to bet, and shame on us for this being true, when that happened, Mike, don't you agree the energy level in that candidate would immediately step up a notch? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what's funny about that. And I, this is not, this is not, folks, this is not in the show notes, but it, but it just occurred to me as I come up with this thought experiment sort of on the fly here. Think about that for a second. The company now says they're interested in you and you raise your energy level, which is to say your energy level wasn't as high as it could have been 30 seconds ago. In other words, you need the company to be interested in you before you get you, you get excited. That's a bit like saying, you know, what? I'm not going to play real well until I'm pretty sure we're going to win and then I'll play well so I can be excited at the end of the game, Right. So if someone had that happen to them, not only would they raise their energy level much to, much to their, hopefully their earlier chagrin, right? But imagine that you'd be like, wow, okay, this is exciting, right? Do you think companies feel the same way when when interviewers or interviewees um, ask questions and show interest in the company itself? Yeah. I mean, look, imagine that they said to you, right? You'd be like, wow. So by the same token, if you went to a company and said, well, I just want to tell you why I'm excited about you. I've done my research. Here's what I know. And here's why I'm here. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to three companies and you're one of them. I promise you, you will absolutely reset the mindset of that career fair representative, that booth representative, that HR manager, whomever, immediately at that second. Yeah. Right. They would say, wow, this person is taking a different, more professional, not lackadaisical, not browsing. Right. If you're browsing in a store and somebody says something to you, say, no, I'm fine. If you're coming to get something, you come to get it. And when they say, can I help you? Yes, I'd like da 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 da. And the, the sales associate says, oh, OK, I'll go get it for you. Yeah, but why why is that, though? I mean, and the folks that are sitting at these career tools, folks from the companies, I mean, they're just there. It's just their job. You think they they feel that strongly about their company that they're going to get excited about somebody showing interest in the company. I mean, it's not like we're showing interest in them. Yeah. What's interesting about that is it's, I, I guess I have two answers about that. One, it's so rare. It's not that they're, they're their biggest company fan. It's that no one else is going to be doing it. And we need to distinguish ourselves. Remember, we're trying to show how we're different from all the other browsers and walkers and gazers and gawkers at these career fairs. So when we say, no, here's my research, here's what I've done, here's what I can show you, it was not the only thing they could have heard that would have excited them. It is the most professional and narrow thing, and it's so much different than everybody else, it causes them to sit up and take notice. Now, the second thing is, of course, they're supportive of their company. Of course, they like to hear they they work for a good company. So absolutely, what you're saying is true. But there's the other piece, too, which is it is simply professionally discriminating. It's professionally uh, separating from you and the other folks. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. And and you've also, by saying that, by showing interest in the company, you've also validated their decision to work for the company. So, yeah, they are, in fact, beautiful. Yeah. 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 And, and, And look, they know you couldn't have done that without having done some research before. Right. What do most candidates say? Well, you're a stable company or, you know, you have a good reputation. Right. When they get asked, so what do you know about our company? And by the way, folks, you're going to get asked that. So what do you know about our company? Why did we tell you earlier that research was important? Because it's an early discriminator. How does it become an earlier discriminator? When the company representative says, so what do you know about our company? Or why do you want to work for us? 
if you just say you're a stable company or you have a good reputation, you just put your resume in the recycle bin. <laughs> right? So th- the key here is you need to be able we need to be able to give a clear, reasonable answer which demonstrates both enthusiasm for the company and understanding. Right? You need to understand the company, I understand what you do, and I'm excited about it. Well, give me give me an example that just so folks can see the difference. You know, we said you know, well, you're a stable company or you have a good reputation. Aren't great answers to that question. What would a good right. answer yeah. sound like? Um, uh, at a high level, something like this: I studied your financials. I can see you position yourself to take advantage of the India market, which I know is growing for you guys. I know there's some company uh, legislative issues o- over there, always hard, but your CEO seems to be working hard on that with the Indian government to work out uh, compromises. And that gives me excitement about w- what, what's happening there. I did a project on entry to developing nations in my MBA program, and I really believe in, in the approach that you've taken. I think it's a good approach. And personally, I read that the way you handle new hires and graduates is they you give the chance to work both with clients and an internal facing roles. And, and I want that opportunity. I, I don't know where I'm going to end up. I know that I need to understand the company and I need to sta- understand clients. The closer I can be to, to income is always good. And so that really, the, the combination of the big picture and, and the career opportunities really excites me. And I mean, I got to tell you, if it's late in the day and this is the fourth out of five you've done that with, it's four o'clock in the afternoon, and you say that to a recruiter, they'll shake their head. If they've sat through 200 blah, 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 blahs before you, you give that pitch, that is going to stun them. Okay. Now, now, now look, we're going to come back to the pitch. Okay. But it's the research you do before you give the pitch that gives you the opportunity to step past the pitch. And that's why we're suggesting research is a critical first discriminator. Good. Okay. So let's talk about dress. And, and this stuns me, um, but I've been to career fairs and the types of dress that I see when somebody is effectively going to an interview is just stunning. Absolutely stunning. You know, I'm, maybe it's just my cynicism showing or my my world-weary approach to recruiting sometimes. Um, I was at a family gathering recently, and somebody said to me, I, I need you to talk to this this person uh, about their career. And I, I'm like, okay, you know, I just, I just had two drinks. I'm not driving tonight. I'm with my family, and you want me to work? You know, I walked away from it because I was uncomfortable with the idea of, Again, having to talk to somebody about a career when I'm supposed to be having fun and knowing I'm going to hear things that really, really bum me out. (laughs) So look, I am routinely disappointed in how people dress when they think there's a chance or when they ought to think there's a chance that their career might benefit from making a good impression. Now, look, sometimes the representatives at career fairs are not in a position to hire you, right? They're rarely going to be line managers hiring for them specific positions. Sometimes they're just rotating through on an additional duty. Sometimes they're HR people. Sometimes they're outsourced recruitment people. Sometimes they're PR people, believe it or not, who like shaking hands and can gather resumes and make a good impression. Sometimes they're marketing people. But here's the thing. In the same way that when you're interviewing, you have to assume that everyone you meet has veto power. What that means is we need to treat the career fair as one gigantic interview, even if we suspect the person we're talking to has no power. And the chances are really good that they don't have hiring power. 
And this leads me to something that I've probably said, and you and I have said this in four or five different ways. It's one of those mindset switches, like what we talked about at the beginning of the cast, right? Surely one of the top five career search blunders is believing that because any person you meet along the way doesn't have the power to hire, they don't have the important power you're looking for, okay? In other words, the hiring power is what you want, right? And so people say, well, he doesn't have hiring power. And it's almost as if you're fighting your way through the grass to get to, I don't know, the tree, right? But this approach, the fact that they don't have any power, is not just false. It really implies a backward sense of the whole job search environment. It is not the authority to say yes that gives somebody power over your search until right at the very end. It is the ability to say no that matters. Yeah, that's the key, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you only look for the yes people, you miss the fact that everybody has the ability to say no. Frankly, dude, I don't know. I think a lot of people don't like interviewing. In fact, almost everyone, right? Right. And so when we don't like it, we build an environment, which a mental environment, a conceptual environment, which supports our belief of not liking it. And so- We say to ourselves, I don't want to give all these people power over me. It's hard enough. I hate this process anyway. And so what we do is we're only looking for the one person. Unfortunately, we end up, if you're only looking for the one person, everybody feels like they're not the one you're looking for and you treat them as such, right? It's the ability to say no that matters. Job searching is about avoiding no by getting people who can say no to not say no until you're at the point where you can get a yes. And by the way, the person who can give you a yes is fighting to give you, is thinking about getting you to know every step of the way until you get into neutral. And then they ask, okay, okay, he's not a no. The question now is, is he a yes? So they're asking the no question early on too. Yeah. And this, this whole thing is exacerbated at career fairs just because of the sheer volume of candidates that folks are seeing, right? If they're going to see 150 people, they've got to say no 145 times, let's say. Right. I mean, they have to. So, yeah. And so until the very end of your job search, everybody has the ability to say no. That means everybody has the important veto power in the process. And we have to be interviewing from the moment we get in the car to go. Okay. You dress as if you're at an interview. No backpacks, no ripped jeans, no ties, uh, no ripped ties. Sorry. Your hair is brushed, heels and makeup for women. Dress for an interview. Suits. Shine shoes, matching belts. And look, we, we, we don't want to go through it in detail, but we, in the interviewing series, we talk about what to wear, okay? If you don't want to buy the interviewing series, that's fine. Uh, listen to our cast about presentation attire and pump that up a notch. And guys, if you want it simple, it's a blue or black or dark, dark gray suit, a white shirt, and a red tie. Now, look, if you're saying, well, I don't like red ties, that's fine. You, you feel free to put your personal preference for fashion in front of what works in interviewing. Career fairs are exhausting. They're stress-filled. It would be totally much more comfortable for everyone who's listening to this to not be dressed up, to not look sharp. But the few people in the room that are going to be your competition, if you're right for a particular job, will be dressed and you will be throwing away an opportunity to stay equal with them, to stay out of the no pile if you are, in fact, dressed. And so, therefore, you need to be dressed. Yeah. Enough said. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Good. 
Okay, so let's go back a step if we could, though, because, I mean, okay, no questions about dress, right? You got to dress for success, to use a well-worn phrase. But let's go back to the research piece because, you know, there might be, I don't know, there might be 50 companies or 60 companies at the career fair. I got school, you know, I haven't graduated yet. I'm at the career fair, but I still got school. I got finals. I'm working through all that stuff. I mean, you can't possibly expect me to go out and research in detail 50 companies. I mean, how am I going to prepare for all those? Yeah. Well, I think that's good. I think you're right. I don't think you need to research in detail all 50 companies, right? And so, look, you're going to be totally exhausted in this thing. It's it's different. It's it's the Christmas rule, right? You do it rarely, and yet it's really important to you, so you're not going to be very good at it. So, you need to be careful. We need to narrow our focus away from all companies and choose a few, Okay. Change your thinking. Decide which companies are going to see you. Prepare for those. Go see those companies and only those companies until you have seen all of them. Nothing wrong after that with wandering around and maybe getting a couple of targets of opportunity, although you're not going to appear very effective relative to the companies you did target because you probably won't have detailed research. So what we recommend is sort of a broad brush research to figure out which companies you immediately know are in the ballpark, do detailed research on them, and then pick the few that you want to go to. Now, maybe you can get seven or eight in a day. That's fine, right? You can't get 25 companies in a day with the level of detailed research you need, particularly if they're going to be long lines to sand in to get to the companies to talk to the representative right? So we've got to do our research on the companies, which we alluded to before, right? But go go a step further. Get a hold of the layout of the, the convention floor, right? Plan your route before you go about which companies you're going to go see. Look, if you're there first, and, and we're not suggesting you need to be first, although there are some places where they'll let a few thousand people in, so you may need to be there early. If you're there first, know which company you're going to go to first. And you may very well choose to go to one way at the back, because there'll be less people there because the vast majority of people will be wanderers. And the first company they see that's a consumer products company, they're going to immediately want to go talk to that company, particularly if it's a cool consumer products company like Google or Nike or something like that, which probably are not going to be at a job search career fair anyway, right? So if you can't get the, the map ahead of time, fine. Get there early, get a coffee, and plan your route based on what you find out while you're there. When you're done seeing those companies, making your impression, handing them a CVA or handing them a resume and so on, when you're done with those companies, fine, go ahead and wander around. But remember, as I alluded to a minute ago, the first guidance we gave you about research, if you haven't done research, you're unlikely to pass that first test about companies, right? We'd arguably suggest that showing a list of five companies you're targeting to any one of those companies is actually a good idea. You might say, look, I know there are 50 companies. I'm only only seeing five. It'd be great to be able to talk to all 50. I know I can't. I want to make an impression on five. And look, if there's a clear connection you can easily make, we'd be impressed as recruiters if there's a target of opportunity, right? If you missed it in your research, but you know a company for something, a friend of yours worked there a couple of years ago or so on. And we've never done this, but I have a feeling it would absolutely send a message. You're not like the other 3,000 people in the building. Yeah. And we've got to probably talk about, I mean, this isn't shopping, right? I mean, this is not, and I don't want to be gender biased here, but there is some difference in terms of how men and women go at shopping. This is not going to a mall with, you know, 100 companies where you just browse around and find something that interests you. That analogy doesn't work here. Yeah. 
Yeah, as as Wendy would say, this is not a Saturday where we wander aimlessly and then buy the shoes in the first shop we went in at the very beginning, right? The boy-style supermarket shopping, if you will, pardon the gender bias, you know, you go in, you hit the aisles you want to, and you walk back out rather than just making sure you're covering all the bases. You can do it more like a day at the mall, but at the end of the day, you're going to be tired, you're going to be grouchy, and you don't want to give that impression to potential employers. You don't. Make sure you have everything you need with you, have resumes, have cover letters, have a pen, right? And go in and make those four or five or even six or even seven, if you think you can do it, surgical strikes that you need and then be done. And if it takes you all day to do it, you'll have been highly successful or you'll have a much higher chance of success with those companies you're talking to rather than trying to touch on all of them and leaving leaving them with the idea that you're one of the other 3,000 in the group. And that's just randomness and randomness in career searching is almost rarely a good thing. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.